Welcome once again, Bears fans, to Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And we're back. Merry Christmas, or now it's past Christmas. What are we at now? Uh, getting ready for New Year's Eve. Hope everybody had a nice Christmas. I uh, got to spend some time with your loved ones and didn't stay glued to the... Bears won! Bears won! Bears won! Bears beat the great Arizona Cardinals team. Um... Yeah, that's where we can start. I mean... Is that like kissing your sister? It, it just wasn't a very... <laughs> it, 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 to me, it, I said last week that anything that happened the last three weeks, I wasn't really going to pay all that much attention to. And and I didn't. Yeah, I thought the Bears played well. I thought Justin played pretty well for the most part. And I know that Arizona's defense is absolutely dreadful, but... The team is dreadful. Yeah, they're, they're not good. And I don't think the win did a ton for me. I am happy when the Bears win, obviously. I understand that losing could help draft position. And honestly, I wouldn't have been too upset if they lost that game. But like they jumped out to a 21 nothing lead. And at, I know it got a little bit hairy towards the end there. But at no point did I really think the Cardinals were going to win that game. And... You know, that's what you're supposed to do against a terrible team, so you give the Bears credit where their credit's due, but like I said last week, the, these last couple games against bad teams, I just don't really care about them all that much, and I was happy that Fields played well, and I was happy that the defense played well, but I didn't really learn anything. I don't know if you did. No, I, I mean, like you said, in the, um, now I haven't checked this yet, but I heard that Fields in the second half only had 35 yards passing. That feels right. They didn't really do a ton of offense well, I mean, in the second half. Well, I mean, they were running. They yeah. were running strong. He had a couple huge run plays in the second half. Yeah. I, I think that, I mean, just off the top of my head, that feels right. I mean, they were up big in the second half, and they just weren't throwing very much, and they got a lot of big plays on the ground, so it wouldn't surprise me if they only had. Still, you know, that... Seems not good. Well, and he had the really bad interception. Yeah, that was really a bad interception. Because they were about to put the he game. Doesn't away. he? I will give him credit in that he doesn't seem to throw. Well, maybe they just don't intercept the ball. <laughs> I don't, I, he, there, I know we both know that he has gotten away with some this year where they should have been interceptions. But well, and that one felt pretty painful because that one was bad. they were about to put the game away. They were up fourteen and they were in the red zone. And if you score a touchdown there, then the game's over. But like that was really the only bad throw that I thought he made, and it happened to get intercepted. But overall, I thought he played a pretty good game. Um, I just don't know what all you can take from that because it was against a terrible defense and like we talked about all last week they're they're out of it now so this is this is garbage time and yeah. that that felt like a garbage time win honestly it, just, it really did um I was reading uh that the that the team is five and four over its last nine games um and they have a four game winning streak this is from Biggs. Um, five and four in the last nine games. What do you What do you got to say about that? Yeah, I think that they're pretty average right now. I know that when you look at the overall record, they look more towards bad than average. But yeah. like you said, around five hundred for the majority of the season, and some of that's with your backup quarterback and. 
the thing that's killed this team is that they just weren't ready to go to start the season. Yeah. And we've beaten that horse to death. But when you start out 0-4, there's a reason why only like 2% of teams that do that make the playoffs. It just is really hard to come back from that. And the Bears have honestly had a chance to do it. They've blown a couple of pretty spectacular games. Yeah. I mean, I I think they're an average NFL team right now. And... You see that when the Cardinals come to town because the Cardinals are really bad and the Bears won that game pretty easily. Yeah. I mean, they were up 21 zip and the Cardinals made a little bit of noise, but you pretty much felt like the Bears were in control of that game the entire time. And that's the kind of thing that we haven't seen over over the last couple of years. I mean, bad teams come in and the Bears have, you know, been a bad team themselves. So, yeah. It's good to see that, hey, we're not the worst of the worst anymore. So that's a feather in their cap, but it's nothing to get excited about either. I think that five and four, it means they haven't quit on Eberflus, and it means that they're been around average for the majority of the season. And that's really all I can say. And I guess that's an improvement, and things are going in the right direction. But we've talked about at length the coaching decision that's going to happen at the end of this year. Right. And. I think that if Matt Eberflus wanted to make a case to keep his job, then what he would say is that, look, we had a whole new roster going into the year. We had horrible injury luck to start the year. But once these guys gelled... Those are both true. Yeah, that both fair. And once these guys gelled together, and once we got some of our guys back, we went 500 down the stretch. That's what he would say. And there's probably some validity to that, but... My take on that argument is that that's all great, but I want to go much deeper than just what the final win-loss record is. Mm -hmm. Because you can look at last year where they won three games, and you can look at then this year where they're going to win six, seven, or eight. Yeah, they're six and nine right now. Yeah, so... So they've doubled their win total. (laughs) Yeah, but I (laughs) haven't seen that this coaching staff gives the Bears any sort of advantage on game day. And can you make an argument to bring them back because they're making progress in terms of wins and losses? Yes. But I think we've also seen enough to say that this is not a great coaching staff. Uh, I mean, it, it, as you said, we've beat that horse. But unfortunately, Bears fans, you know we're going to continue to talk about that just because that's the thing that's going to be on everybody's mind for the next until the off season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the biggest story over the next two weeks. And but yeah, you got to go beyond. There's got to be context to being five and four in the last nine games and six and nine overall. Yeah, and it's not all your win loss record. There is so much randomness that determines the actual number of wins or losses that you end up with. Right. Like you have to look at the overall body of work and try to understand is this really a good coaching staff or not? I think we've seen enough to say probably not. Yeah. (laughs) But I am still not necessarily convinced that they're going to move on from these guys. And one thing I wanted to talk about, because the biggest story to me out of last week was that the Patriots won, which gives the Bears a overwhelming... 99%. Yeah, like 98% chance that they will have the first overall pick in the draft again via the trade with Carolina. Which is incredible, really. Yeah, which is great. 
if Carolina loses one more game, that clinches it. So go Jaguars this week. Yeah. But that then officially puts the Bears on the clock, and then the decision that we've been discussing all year, hypothetically, about whether or not you take a quarterback there really starts to become a little bit more real because we're going to know really quickly after the season ends what they're going to do with the coaching staff. Like, if the season ends on Sunday, we'll probably find out Monday morning whether or not the coaching staff will be back or not. But it'll be several more months until we know what they're going to do with that pick. Oh, yeah. One thing I wanted to talk about is just the actual decision about coach, offensive coordinator, quarterback – like, they're all so interrelated. And I think a lot of people feel that Fields should be back. His teammates certainly think that, if yeah. you listen to them. And I think there's a lot of fans that think that way, too, that the Bears should keep Justin Fields and trade the first-round pick and just build up the roster. Sure. And then you've got a great roster, hopefully, with a pretty good quarterback. I think Fields is pretty good. I don't think he's great, but I, th- I think he's pretty good. Agreed. And then you can win a lot of games that way, but... To me, that only works if you change the coaching staff. Yeah. Because it's clear that Fields and Getze don't work well together. Yeah. And I think that if you fire Getze and keep Eberflus, I don't think you're going to get the highest qualified offensive coordinator candidate because I think any rising star play caller is not going to want to come in and work for Matt Eberflus in what could be his third and final year. Yeah, I mean, like, there's no way you slice it. If Eberflus is in charge next year, he's lame duck. He's yeah. he's win or you're done. I think that's right. And I think it's very likely that he would only get one more year. Which, yeah. I think if you're already thinking that way, then you should just be moving on from him after right. the end of this year. But right. we don't know if that's what they're going to do. Why delay the inevitable? Yeah, and that's what they did with Nagy, remember? They gave Nagy a fourth year. Because he, quote-unquote, earned another shot. And <laughs> the entire year, everybody knew he was going to get fired. Yeah. So, and that doesn't do anybody any good. But I think that if you want Fields back, the only path to that is fire the head coach, fire the offensive coordinator, and then whatever new head coach you bring in has to be sold on the fact that Justin's the guy. And then he can keep him. But I just don't think it works because I think it's so clear that Fields and Getze are not optimal for each other. It, it, that's, it has to be. Like, I, it must be. I, think, I wish I had written this down. I think it was Dan Wiederer. It was one of the beat writers that said something to the effect of if Justin could pick his offensive coordinator, it wouldn't be Getze. And if Getze could pick his quarterback, it wouldn't be Fields. Yeah, I mean, that's a good way of putting it. And that's pretty clear. Yeah. Which begs the question why have you continued down this road for two years but yeah and actually that question to me falls on Eberflus I I agree with that because Eberflus is supposed to be the CEO head coach right and that's his words not mine that's what he said he wanted to be and he's a defensive guy but if you can tell that your quarterback and your offensive coordinator aren't coexisting well then it's your job as head coach to go in there and Figure that out. And if you need to move on from one of them, you do it. But they've let this linger for two years now when it's clear that the two aren't really working as well as they possibly could be together. And I agree that that's the head coach's responsibility. And that is a problem that has not been resolved. Yeah, we've 
We've seen it up close, what happens when your quarterback in your offensive mind, if you just want to give it that title, yeah. work well together. And it's called the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. They did it for year in, year out, under four and under 12. And that was one of the things that they had over the Bears for almost two decades. Right. You know, it, it has to be a melding of the minds. I'm not trying to get all quasi, you know, new agey here, but the two have to be working towards the same thing, and one has to match the other. And I don't, it doesn't take a football genius to figure out that those two do not work well together. No, I think that's pretty obvious. And I wish that Matt Eberflus and this Bears front office had been able to resolve that issue sooner, but it just hasn't happened. And even to the point where still in the Cardinals game, we've got a critical third and one play yep. that gets stuffed because you're running a wildcat play to Roshan Johnson. And <laughs> that's just the kind of thing you do when it you don't fully trust your quarterback, I think. And... I just think we've seen way too much of that over the Getze Fields tenure. And we've we've seen too much of how is it that your best offensive weapon is not getting enough looks. Yeah, we've seen uh, how is it that eighty uh, percent of the passes, the the completion spot was either at the line of scrimmage or behind it. We, we've seen. You know, we've seen the use of our fullback in critical third down situations, yeah. passing situations. It's like those are the kind of things that I don't I don't care who you are. If 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 you're getting that kind of criticism, something is wrong. You're not achieving your uh, your goals. You're not achieving what we expect. And we're, you got to remember, we're the ones that pay for everything. So we got the right to we got the right to bitch. We are. Oh, we do have the the bears don't exist without us. And, and bitch, we have. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I was, but I mean, seriously, you, you you know you hit it right on the head when you when you're saying you know Flus needs to has to be able to recognize. Okay, you wanna you wanna put out your your staff and throne and your crown. I'm the I'm the I'm the big guy in charge. That's fine. But this, you've had multiple issues with coaches here, and this is the biggest one. In terms of on-the-field play, absolutely. And it's funny, you mentioned the lack of targets to DJ Moore. I was thinking about this today because DJ Moore is a pro's pro. Like, yeah. He's just a very mild-mannered guy. Yeah, like M very likable. Can you imagine, like... A lot of other star wide receivers, like what the <laughs> what what the behavior would have been if multiple times there went entire halves without targeting them. Yeah. Like imagine like Odell Beckham Jr. in his prime, Moss or Terrell Owens. Like the the amount of things. Chad Johnson. Yeah, the amount of things that would be getting thrown on the sidelines, and just the amount of just coach ripping that would be occurring in oh, the media absolutely if you went one half without targeting one of those guys let alone doing that multiple times over the course of a season it's just ridiculous but well, heck uh, you want to make it modern how about um uh pickens yeah from uh from pittsburgh yeah right you know so it's like you said the guy is a pro's pro 
Um, he, the way he handles the media is just smooth as silk. And um, I don't think there could be a more popular player in Chicago than what DJ Moore is doing for himself there. That's just, it's like, this is just the kind of guy he is, right? But there is a serious issue when you know that you ha that he is by far your best weapon and you still get called into question. It's the end of the damn year and you're still getting called into question about that. Yep. How is that possible? I don't know. And it, it's just one of those things where yeah don't understand how these guys that are making all this money to coach professionally aren't doing some of the things that every jamoke across the chicagoland area right. is sitting on his couch eating chicken wings like wonder, <laughs> wonder why, why why aren't they throwing to more throw it to more and right you got getsy up in the press box who's presumably spent like a hundred hours of his week developing this game plan and he's running fullback screens to Kari Blossom gain instead. It's just, sometimes I think these guys just outthink themselves, but. And maybe, and I'm sure there is some of that. And I'm sure there, you know, in, in our glory as armchair quarterbacks, there's some things that we're probably, we're missing. In I'm the sure game there's a plan. lot of things we don't get. Right. But, but when it boils, when it boils down to it, we don't care how you win. We care that you come out and you present a product on the field that is successful and wins. And so far, the, in the biggest games of the year, we have not been successful and we have not won. Well, and what I learn a lot from, too, is listening to the formal, former NFL players who actually do know what they're talking about. And they're just as offended by some of the stuff we've seen from Luke Getze. Like, <laughs> Listen to Olin Krutz. Yeah. Or listen to Dan Orlovsky. Like, guys that have been in quarterback rooms or offensive rooms and know what they're talking about, and they don't get it either. So yeah. that makes me think that, yes, I'm a idiot that's a couple beers in watching the game at the bar. That makes me think that I'm at least watching the same game as professionals <laughs> that know what they're talking about. And sure, they understand way more about it than I do, but... Even to them, they're like, yeah, you might want to be throwing the ball to that guy. And yeah, I mean, it's not, that part of it is not rocket science, you know. It's like, you have a weapon, and whatever you need to do to get him the ball, that's what you do. One of the things that I've noticed is, uh, since um, the Browns uh, <laughs> thawed out uh, <laughs> caveman Joe Flacco, yep. uh, to, you, know what, you know what I noticed about him? He's like, you know what? I'm throwing the ball as much as I can to Amari Cooper. Yeah. Why? Cause he's good. <laughs> you know, and and look at that. They're they're winning, and he's doing a good job of it. Right? We pick the guy off three times, and somehow we still can't win. Yep. That's a problem. Right. And some of this, I think, is on Fields too, because he should know that. I think generally. No, that's not, and that's not excusing Fields. Right. And I think generally DJ Moore is going to be open. Like, even if he doesn't look open, if you throw the ball his way, he's going to have a, ch a shot at it unless he's getting, like, completely bracketed by two defenders. Yeah. But I... I wouldn't doubt, actually, that there's times when um, Fields is dropping back and he's looking and he's trying to get that ball to Moore and he's realizing, if I try and force it in there, it's probably going to get picked. Now, if you notice... 
Fields doesn't have a lot of interceptions this year. Um, well, his completion percentage is also low because that means that he's either scrambling or throwing the ball away rather than throwing it into where you have to thread the needle to get the ball in there, right? Well, I'm sure that there's times where he's he's dropping back and looking for more, and more's just blanketed. Yeah, that's possible. And there's other weapons on this offense, probably not as good as we all thought the rest of the skill positions were going to be. I mean, Kmet's had a nice year. Other than that, it's it's been pretty. Yeah, the the, the drop off is steep. Yeah, but I think that there's definitely blame on quarterback and play caller for not getting the ball in Moore's direction more frequently. But that's also just in general, like something we've been talking about the entire year. And just, it's been a constant source of frustration and it just ha- doesn't seem to have gotten any better. And I know he got hurt in this last game, which explains some of the lack of targets, but this has been a constant theme week after week after week. Yeah. Where yeah. He, it's he, not new. No. So that's and in, in fact, actually, in the first, you know, you mentioned that we went 0-4. In the first four games, it was a major issue. It was being pointed out nationally. And this is another head coaching point, because Matt Eberflus should understand what's going on in the offense well enough to be going into that meeting room on Monday morning and saying, all right, we need to have a better plan for getting DJ incorporated in right. the plan. Like, the ball needs to be going his way two, three, four times a half. Right, like, right. Sitting down with your guys and saying, okay, obviously we're not getting the ball to our primary yeah. target enough. What do we need to do? How do we need to scheme? What do we need to see? What do you need from me to make this happen? That's what's supposed to happen. Like you, but you like, think- I, like you said, at what point have you ever felt like Getsy and Fields are on the same page? I just don't see it at all. And that was the talking point during the disastrous first month of the season. And I, I don't disastrous. Re- I don't remember after what week it was when there was the whole big controversy because Fields came out and said, "Yeah, the coaching is playing a role in why I feel more robotic." Three, back maybe. Here. Yeah, it was pretty early on, and the Bears did their whole humana humana humana. Let's <laughs> let's let's try to talk our way out of what everybody just heard. And, like, I didn't even really think that there was anything wrong with it because he was being honest. Yeah. And he was saying, yeah, the coaching is just not resonating. For the, the kid, that kid really does seem very straight up and honest to me. Yeah, I like Justin Fields a lot. Yeah. I have actually really enjoyed following him, like, more than I've enjoyed probably any other Bears quarterback in my lifetime. Because me too. A, he's exciting on the field and relatively successful has he lived up to his draft potential no but in in general i think he's a pretty good nfl quarterback yeah i I don't think he's bad i don't think he's even average i think he's pretty good yeah um and off the field i mean you just listen to him and i find him extremely likable yeah i think that he works hard i think that you can tell how much respect his teammates have for him and that's something that we really haven't seen here and People liked Mitch, too, but Mitch didn't have the on-field success, I don't think. or Maybe not in terms of, like, the aggregate numbers, but Mitch didn't have, like, the head-turning, exciting plays. No. He he just wasn't as explosive. Mitch didn't seem to have the the leadership factor either. I mean, he, he had some... I think it, that's inherent to being in the quarterback position that you have to exude at least some leadership. But uh, 
Fields really seems in command. Like, you've heard multiple teammates come out, even as recently as this week, and say, I don't understand why people are talking about making a quarterback change. Right. We've got a great quarterback here. And I think that if they're really honest with themselves, they do get it. But the fact that they're willing to go out on the record and support the guy, I mean, that shows. Well, and there's some truth to it. Uh You know, uh, he he is. He is a he is really good, uh, but and he, we've seen that he has the potential to be great. But the thing is, is that what does it take to make that come to fruition? That if he is great, because he there's still the whole issue with uh, with the fourth quarter play, which is still bad. Yeah, and um, you know, uh, while uh, we can point the finger at the defense. Uh, in those three double-digit fourth-quarter lead losses, at the same time we wouldn't we couldn't move the ball at all. So the the defense just was kept going out there and kept going out there. You can't do that now. What do you think would make the fans the most upset? You think Iberflus back, Getzy back, Fields gone? Like what combination of those three do you think fans would be the most upset about? Uh, I I'm pretty sure that everybody cannot stand Getzy. I, yeah. I I think it would be best for his health to move out of Chicago. Um, but I don't, I don't uh, think anybody really wants any of that. I don't remember anybody hating a uh, hating a guy that much since uh, probably Ron Turner and John Shoup. But uh, um, uh, I just. The when I look at it, it's it's hard for me to envision sticking with, uh, sticking with Getzy, uh, which means you fire him and you keep Flus. Well, you keep Flus, then like you said, you have to deal with the situation that anybody that comes in is going to have to a try and figure out working under Flus, working with Fields, and uh, be under the specter that. Probably Flus will be fired after next year unless they make, probably unless they make the playoffs, um, right? And that's that's a hard thing to come in under. Also, if you even if you do get a guy who does that, right? Let's say you get a guy. Let's say they they, they keep Fields and they keep Flus and they bring in a guy, right? And he comes in and he does well. How long does he stay? Not long. You know. So the thing is, is that. I don't understand how you can piecemeal it that way. You and I have talked multiple times about this, and I don't see how it can happen. I can only see completely breaking it off and starting over. I think there's, in ter- not in terms of what I want to happen, but like I think what could... Right. Just- that's, that's not my personal opinion. Right. That's just what I think, I, you know? I think like this is the only scenarios that I think work just mechanically. I think if you keep... Eberflus, and you're going to move on to a different quarterback, then I think you can change offensive coordinator. I think if you want to keep the quarterback, you have to fire both Eberflus and the OC. Like, I just don't see how it works any other direction because I think if you fire the coaches and you bring in a new coach to evaluate the quarterback, you can let them make the decision. But I think that if you're going to have... Luke Getze or Matt Eberflus here, I don't think it works keeping Fields around. Like, I just don't see how that makes sense. And my personal preference, I think, would be to do what I said at the beginning, which is 
move move to a new coaching staff. Let the new coach make the decision on quarterback. If they feel strongly about keeping Justin around, you do it. If they feel strongly about drafting a new quarterback, you do it. But you let the new coach make the decision. I've seen enough from the coaching staff. But yeah. I don't know, man. I just, for whatever reason, have a bad feeling that we're going to wake up Monday morning after the Packers game and Schefter or whoever is going to be tweeting out, the Bears have decided to retain Matt Eberflus for another year. And then yeah. maybe getsy has gone. It wouldn't surprise me if they move on from him. But I don't know why I feel that way. Maybe it's just a lifetime of like knowing how the Bears operate. But I have a feeling that we're going to be seeing that tweet at like 11 a.m. Central Time the day after the Packers <laughs> game. I, I, uh, I agree. Um, I could very much see that happening. I could, um, and then we go, uh, you know, they, they begin the hunt for, for a new OC. Um, if they, if they do decide to do that, I don't think that they should, um, I don't think they should move on. I think they should keep fields then. If that, if, if they're going to keep Eberflus and bring in a new OC, I think they should keep fields. I don't think they should get another quarterback, and the reason is is because you might if you're gonna if you're gonna keep the same guys, you might as well keep the guy that the head coach already knows, unless unless Field unless Eberflus doesn't want Fields as his quarterback, which we don't know. You know, we don't know that. We don't know that Eberflus looks at Fields and says, "You know what? I got a I got a winner there." I don't even know if Eberflus like watches the offense. I mean, <laughs> he, he just never has anything to say on the offensive side of the ball. So I I don't know. I I just I don't know what kind of offensive coordinator you're gonna get there. Like I don't think you're gonna get anybody up and coming. I, I think it's more likely that you're getting someone that's been around the block and is probably not a head coaching candidate. And yep. that might be Eric Bieniemy. Because I think the entire coaching staff is going to get blown out in Washington. Yep. But Bienemy could also get a head coaching job. I mean, he hasn't to this point, and and he's probably not going to. He's probably not going to. Um, but you know, you could end up with a guy like I don't know, like Pat Shermer. I don't oh, I, like just uh, maybe not specifically him. Cause no, I but that. But like so, someone along those lines, someone that's had an opportunity before as a head coach and has failed, and now is kind of like lifetime offensive coordinator but that's not gonna frank reich yeah sure frank reich someone like that you know i i, I just josh mcdaniels me, oh god <laughs> you know i mean that's just depressing to me you know it's just like okay well let's run it through and see what happens again don't worry we'll just push things out another year Frank Reich's a good name because I think him and Eberflus coached together in Indianapolis. Oh, they did. That you know that that and that could be. Um, he just popped into my head because he got fired. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a great call, actually. But uh, well, you know, um, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if that happens at all. Uh, you know, and like I said, you know, Eberflus has an opinion on whether he thinks Justin Fields is a winner. Yeah, he does. We don't know. We don't have any clue as to what that opinion is. But he, there has to be some determination made. And I think that Paul's opinion on this 
has been, I think he's known what he's going to do since almost the beginning of the year. I hope so. I really do. I really, He doesn't strike me as reactionary. No, he's he might end up being a bad general manager, but he's not an idiot. Like, no. We, we've had general managers who are idiots before. Yeah. Poles is not that. Like, no. I, I He strikes me as someone... We had a huge idiot. <laughs> we we really know it's bad that i i have an idea of who you're talking about but it could it could be a couple different it people, could be that's terrible it's it but yeah i i don't think ryan poles like has a bad decision making process if that makes sense like i don't think he's sitting around watching that game against the cardinals and going you know like something just clicked in my head i agree with you that in all likelihood, he's known for six, seven, eight, nine weeks what he wants to do. And I'm sure that decision was impacted by like where they ultimately end up picking. But now that it's most likely that they'll have the number one overall pick, I'm sure that for weeks he's known, all right, if we end up with pick number one, this is where I think we should go. So I hope that whatever he's watching on the field over these last few games isn't necessarily like moving the needle all that much. And I don't think it is. Cause like you said, he seems like a guy that's got a pretty sound, like a pretty, he seems like a pretty pragmatic decision maker, which is yeah. And he, um, he strikes me as somebody that is extremely proactive. Uh, I think that guy has maintained his success as an executive um, because he outworks the other guy. I, I, I really believe that. I think that um, now that's another thing is what is Poles view of JF1? Does Poles look at him and say, okay, if we get more guys around him, we can develop him further that next step? Because we're all in agreement that, that Fields is very good. But is he great? Is he elite? I mean, I wouldn't put him in either of those categories, at least not right now as things stand. He's closer to average than he is to great, I think. I mean, what's interesting about this year is we passed on the number one pick. And at that point, Poles could have said, I want a new quarterback. Instead, he chose to stick with Fields and see if Fields could develop to that Super Bowl level. Well, Fields is not developed to the Super Bowl level. But you did have one of the guys make a lot of noise, and that's C.J. Stroud. You see how bad the Texans have become without Stroud in the lineup, which to me reflects on how much of a factor he is and when they've played well. Right? It's not, it's like you said, it's not always just about the numbers. There's context to it, right? He's made them when he's out there on the field. I've watched some of, uh, some of his play. He's commanding out there and he makes them a winner. He makes them much better as a whole than they are by their individual parts, right? A guy you win because of. A guy you win because of, yes. But, it, and it, since he's been out, They've been shit, <laughs> you know. So the, you can't you can't look past that. And feel, polls is at this point. I've tried to make this point before. 
Poles is at that point where he has to look at this and say, am I being the most successful executive by keeping my, my future success with Fields or am I going to be, is the team going to be more successful, which is really a reflection of him, is it going to be more successful by putting my eggs in a in in a new basket? Yeah, that's the decision, and it's a hard one. I'm glad I don't have to make it because I can see all sides of the argument. And you know, it could be a career maker for him. Oh, it is. Like if he gets it wrong, he's probably fired. Yeah, like, maybe not next year, but if he screws this up, and whatever decision he makes blows up in his face. Like, he's probably not going to last very long in this job. And we saw that with Ryan Pace because he drafted Mitch Trubisky over Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. It just took the Bears, like, six more years to get around to firing him. But Which he, is unbelievable. Anyway, and you know what the other thing, too, like, going around the NFL? Like, you do really see how hard it is to get this right. And when... Coaching or skill position talent isn't around it around you isn't great. Like look at what's happening with the Chiefs right now. Like Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, like consensus. Mm-hmm. And their offense is completely broken right now because <laughs> all because <laughs> all of his wide receivers suck and Look who's calling the plays. <laughs> like they go from Eric Bieniemy to Matt Nagy and the wide receiver room is just a total I saw shit. a picture of uh, I saw a picture of um, of of Mahomes the uh, yesterday it and and, and butthead was in the background <laughs> he was he was all he was all over the place on that Christmas day broadcast but look at Josh Allen I mean they had to fire their offensive coordinator this year because the offense wasn't working and they get someone new calling the plays and the offense looks a lot better so those are two of the best quarterbacks in the league, and they were having trouble overcoming terrible coaching and terrible wide receiver play around them. So it's not all on the quarterback. So that kind of thing gives me some hope that if you get a good offensive coach in here, that I still see a lot of talent in Justin Fields. Like, we still see him make the great plays. Yeah. I'm not convinced that he can't be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Still. Agreed. But... I think you need better coaching around him. And as we've discussed, it's not going to happen here with Luke Getze. And even if they move on from Getze, I'd be surprised if it happens under Eberflus. Just Right. And that is that inherently is a problem in itself. Because it's like you should be able to at least look and say, you know what, um, okay, they need to develop uh, these positions further. And uh, the, the, the team... Um, it still needs more cohesion, and those are you know there's you know the holes in the roster, uh, execution. Okay, yeah, we get all of those things, but it it has to look like the train is moving in the right direction. And there's to me there's been enough times where I personally haven't felt that, and I think the general consensus has been that the train is not moving in the right direction. So what are you doing? If you're if if you're not pushing it in the right direction, what are you doing? You're spinning your wheels, right? Oh, I mean, it 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 certainly doesn't seem like I don't I don't see 
Eberflus coming back next year, uh, Getze coming back next year, and this team m making the next step. I, I just don't. I haven't seen an, I haven't seen evidence to support that. And I don't care that they're five and four in their last nine. And I don't care that they doubled their win total from last year. It, to me, anybody could have done that. And I I understand that's just maybe maybe that's just my opinion. But I, I, I'll bet if you lined up 100, 100 Bears fans, it would be hard-pressed hard to find a few guys who would be like, yeah, I really feel like we're a lot better this year than we are last year, and it's because of the coaching staff. No, I think the approval rating for this coaching staff is pretty close to zero. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, 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 we might be beating it. We might be beating the dead horse here, but uh, I'm sorry, guys. That's it, that that horse is the whole primary thing of what's going on right now, and it, and it's like, what are, what is the team going to do to get to get that, rid of that attitude, to get rid of that mindset, to get rid of that that um image i don't know yeah we're one game closer to that decision and before we go on to power rankings there's one other thing because there's been this narrative going around that now that the bears are basically out of it that they might sit justin fields to protect him from injury and that's just that not, ain't happening now I, I if if they had any reasonable backup quarterback then maybe but you can't look your team in the eye and start Tyson Bajan. Like no. he's not an NFL quarterback right now. That doesn't mean that he can't be, but I know that the Broncos today, for example, benched Russell Wilson because that gets them out of some guarantees next year, but they can at least say with a straight face that Jared Stidham is a capable NFL quarterback. The Bears don't have that right now. So, well, in, in, in regardless, uh, Russell Wilson is at a completely different point in his career than than Justin Fields is. And for one thing, I to me, if uh, if Poles is planning on moving from Fields, he wants Fields out there playing because he realizes that Fields is 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 playing to show off for other teams too. Yeah, exactly. Hope that he goes out there and balls out because yeah. if you're planning to trade him, you want his value to be as. It high works as for everybody. Yeah. For, uh, nobody's gonna make a big trade for Russell Wilson. No. The Broncos screwed themselves, and they did it in front of everybody. Yeah. And there's, they just have to deal with it now. I'm just happy we're not the ones <laughs> that are on the raw end of that. Not for lack of trying. Cause remember, Ryan Pace tried to make that trade. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. I think he tried to trade for Russ the year that they signed Andy Dalton instead. Yeah, that's exactly right. But, and, yeah, um, and Bears fans were pretty excited about it, too. He was really going to give them a haul for it, too. Oh, yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, fortunately, we didn't get uh, we, we didn't get stuck in, stuck with that. Um it, you know, the, the other thing um, I did want to touch on is um, you both, we both have talked about how much we like Fields. Uh, I, I'm not exaggerating when I say I think Justin Fields is probably the best quarterback I've ever seen play for him. Uh, as far as purely athletically, his talent level, and what he, can, and what he brings to the field. Yep. Uh, but um, and, and if they decide to keep him, Okay, hopefully he can develop further and we get further pieces around him that can, can help him grow. Uh, or, or they go ahead and move on from him. But either way, you, part of this is logistics, right? You're, you're an accountant. 
And so you understand that some of it comes down to, to dollars and cents, yeah. right? To the numbers. And that's the thing is, is that we have the number one overall pick. The numbers dictate that we should move, that they should get one of the rookies. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you got a chance to get the best quarterback in the draft. That doesn't happen very often. And this is a year where you've got a really good prospect. And people throw around the term... Multiple good prospects. Yeah, people throw around the term generational. I think sometimes that's a bit overused. Yeah. But I think Caleb Williams is a really good talent. I think Drake May, people think, is a really good talent. So you've got a shot to take whatever quarterback you think is best, and you just don't get that opportunity very often. So if the Bears, if Carolina had won seven games, and if the Bears were picking 10th and 12th, I don't think we're having this discussion. It's a completely different discussion. But, yeah, you just end up at the top, very top of the draft in this unique position, and that changes the discussion. Because And, like, if the Bears decide to draft a quarterback and to move on from Justin Fields and they trade him, I think pretty much... All Bears fans are going to be rooting for Justin Fields wherever he goes. Like, yeah. No one's going to hold any ill will towards the kid. He did his best. I think we all think the Bears kind of screwed him over a little bit. Yep. And, you know, he just happened to be the quarterback when they had the first overall pick. Yeah. And most teams, if they had the first overall pick, would move on from their guy. Even if their guy is pretty good. It's yeah. just That's just the way it works. And But, I mean, financially, it also makes sense. Oh, for sure. You know, I mean... You get to have uh, one of those rookies on his rookie deal for the next four years. Right. That's that's huge financially, uh, especially when you consider uh, all the rest of the positions on the field that you can that you can sign because of because you're not paying out that big those uh, big dollars yet. Yeah, even if you think Caleb Williams is only as good as Justin Fields, then it would probably make sense to restart the quarterback clock. Yeah, I. And I got to say, I I personally think that um, Caleb Williams, I, I'm not a big fan of him, but I do think he is probably a little bit better passer than uh, than Fields is. Um, he, he uh, the passing game has been a much bigger part of his career than it was for Fields when he was at Ohio State, um, and he's been highly highly successful at it i personally would rather see us go uh with drake may or Jaden daniels perhaps um just preliminarily but uh just just being able to do that that financial reset is a really big deal as far as the whole organization is concerned it is and you have to weigh that against what teams are willing to trade you for that first pick? Because if you can get like three first round picks for Caleb Williams, then I don't know, maybe it's better to add three first round talents over the next couple of years, but that's a whole organizational decision that a lot of people get paid a lot of money to make. Yeah. And I don't know, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to make the decision because I've talked myself into circles on this topic, and I have literally. No, we have no in, yeah. We have no vested interest. Well, and no, no influence, no ability to make any any sort of decision here. But I, man, I just don't see them sticking with Justin. And I've said that for several weeks now. I I think they're going to take the quarterback, but 
Would I be surprised if Paul says we're going to trade out of this again and we're just going to try to create the San Francisco 49ers where we've got an elite roster and then a less talented quarterback that can just make the throws we want? I can see that. So, I don't know. It's going to be fascinating to watch it play out. I'll tell you, though, um, it's interesting that you bring up Purdy because when I watch him, while his individual play... Um, doesn't have that excitement level uh, that that Fields does. He does seem like very much a coach's quarterback mm-hmm. in that he runs the offense per what the offensive coordinator, or in that particular case, it's Shanahan. But you know what I mean. That he he's executing what the offensive mind wants him to execute to perfection yes well and it's gonna be interesting to see if you can win a super bowl like that because you know he played really badly against the ravens he did earlier in this year however it was a really good team Mm -hmm. yeah it it is it was he wasn't playing badly against the arizona cardinals no he wasn't but it'll be interesting to see because over the last 10 years or so, the thought has always been you need that great quarterback to win the Super Bowl. And I don't think Brock Purdy's a great quarterback. I think, like you said, he's doing exactly what he needs to do in the system. And look, credit to him. There's a lot of quarterbacks that couldn't do that. Yeah. But, you know, we, we also saw what it was like earlier this year when Debo was out and when Trent Williams was out. I mean, the 49ers lost three games in a row this year because they had some injuries on offense. So this is going to be one of those fascinating exercises to watch the 49ers in this postseason to see can you truly win a Super Bowl with the seventh round quarterback that's not uber talented yeah that like you said is just running the Shanahan offense and yeah he played really poorly against Minnesota too he did yeah and I mean against Baltimore I mean he got got benched so yeah I, I think he might have actually gotten injured but it was pretty ugly so I don't think that Brock Purdy is, like, bad at all. I think he's had a really good year. I mean, he he was the favorite to win the MVP until literally last week. Yeah. That's pretty impressive for a second-year player that was picked in the seventh round. But do I I think that he's also, like, in literally the best possible situation imaginable? Yes, Yes. I do. Yes. And, no, I don't expect him to turn into Tom Brady. Uh, You know, uh, Tom Brady was... Uh, not only in the right place at the right time, but he also has a lot of uh, a lot of his own talent that yeah. made him what he is. I would expect Purdy to maybe you know I'm sure he'll have some growth, but I wouldn't expect him to explode to be a, a top ten or top five quarterback. Nope, me either. Um, okay, so moving on to uh, power rankings this week, and the power rankings plus this week is. Uh, the NFL Nation reporters are picking the rookie of the year for every team. Uh, the number one team this week is the Baltimore Ravens after their solid thumping of the San Francisco 49ers. Their best rookie uh, is uh, Zay Flowers, who uh, I actually was not real hype about his game uh, when I was doing my draft reviews uh at the beginning of the year i i I thought he'd be kind of mediocre but he's having a pretty good year on the top team from the north of course is the detroit lions they're all the way up to fourth now 
I don't know whether I consider them the fourth best team in the NFL. No. Uh, they they lost to the Bears, and they actually should have lost to the Bears twice. No. So, um, but uh, they're uh, rookie of the year. Not surprising. Sam Laporta. That's a pretty easy pick. I think Detroit. They're on my list of teams that could easily get upset in the first Oh, show. absolutely. I, I, I don't think they're fooling anybody I, there. They are not the fourth best team in the NFL. Um, but, you know, well, that's, you know, it's interesting. Uh, they um, they picked, actually, the Laporta over Jamar, over Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, I think they're both good. I, I think, think they're both good. Gibbs, I think, started a little bit slower, although, eh, maybe Laporta did too. I don't know. I, I think you could go either way there They're, they've both been pretty solid yeah and uh, Laporta has stuck out more because um Gibbs has the counterpart in Montgomery uh whereas Laporta had to step into TJ Hawkinson's shoes yeah huh Hawkeye to Hawkeye how about that how about that um yeah uh so uh we drop down um to the next team and that's the Minnesota Vikings at number 18 best rookie that one's pretty easy to pick Jordan Addison um, Addison still though hasn't had the explosive year that uh, it seemed like uh, he was gonna uh, he was gonna have kind of at the beginning of the season. Uh, there was a lot of hype about it, uh, but he he does have 826 receiving yards. Got to give him some due for that. That's pretty damn good for a, a rookie start. And uh, they also do mention here undrafted linebacker Ivan Pace Jr., friend of the show Chris. Actually loved that guy before uh, the season started. Wanted him to be wearing a Bears uniform, so um, that's pretty cool. Uh, Green Bay Packers are at 19. Um, best rookie Jaden Reed, Naperville Central product. Yeah, um, 54 catches. Uh, he needs one to tie and two to break Sterling Sharp's franchise record for rookie receptions. Good for him. Uh, you know, uh, the the Packers will be interesting uh, to watch over the next few years. They are the youngest team in the NFL right now. So, um, and that and that uh, that receiving core could could be good. Um, one of uh, the so so the next is us, and where are we at? I would put us right around where we were last week, twenty fifth, twenty sixth, something like that. 24. All right. And best rookie? Who's your best rookie? I guess probably Darnell Wright. Uh, they did not choose Darnell Wright. That's who I would pick Ste- as our best Stevenson, rookie. Maybe? They picked St- Tyreek Stevenson. Okay. The Bears' second-round pick has started all 14 games he's played in while registering two interceptions, 10 bra- pass breakups. 74 tackles and one forced fumble. Those are really good numbers. Yeah, I think he's been pretty good. He's been around the ball a lot, too. He really does. He has good nose for the ball. Uh, uh, his growth has, hasn't been linear, uh, but ever since his breakout game at Detroit, the cornerback has been in a roll uh, with two interceptions and five pass breakups in the past three games. Um, and fellow rookie cornerback, Terrell Smith. Hey, how about them gophers? Yeah. I did like that pick when we made that pick. He's pretty good uh, Has too. helped the Bears uh, secondary as well. Um, yeah, I, I think that the secondary um, has really continued the growth uh, from last year. Uh, hopefully, we do sign Jalen Johnson. I, I really do. Uh, I, I would really like to see that get done soon. 
We have a, a top guy there. Um, Stevenson is playing really well. Terrell Smith has been a very pleasant surprise. Uh, Kyler Gordon in at nickel. Yeah, how about Kyler Gordon? He's everywhere. He he really is. Um, it, that's turning out to be a super successful pick. Um, and uh, uh, Brisker uh, at uh, in the box. Uh, it looks like the Bears are going to need to draft um, a free. Uh, or sign one. Yeah, or sign one. I, do you think um, do you think they they keep uh, um, Eddie Jackson? I doubt it. What's his contract like? I think he's still got one more year, right? I think he's done. Is he done? Okay, yeah, I'd be surprised if he's back, just in general. But uh, he is a respected veteran. I don't think he's played poorly, but he's just not the same player that he was. So... I don't know if maybe you bring him back on a cheap deal or if you try to upgrade there. Um, I don't think that he's ever going to return to the form that we saw in 2017, 2018. But credit to him. I mean, long career for Eddie Jackson. He was, I think, drafted in the second year of John Fox. So he's been around forever. Yeah, he really has. And, you know, a lot of ups and downs (laughs) in that career. Like, definitely more than a typical safety because... Usually, like, when you have, like, multiple terrible seasons like he did, you're just gone. But his contract kept him around. And he has been a good leader and, you know, has played better the last couple years. So I I don't think he'll be back. I wouldn't be shocked if he is. I I think they're probably going to try to upgrade there in free agency. So I scrolled down. um, The Cardinals, who they, you know, they just beat. uh, They picked um, Paris Johnson as their, as the rookie pick. Um, It just says, it says, uh really by default because he's the only one that's really played all year. Uh, but um, the pass block win rate of 81.2, run block win rate of 75.4. It's really good. I mean, he was the first tackle taken, right? Yeah. Yeah, and got the, the Cardinals roster. I mean... Yeah, he was expected, you know, he was expected to be there around 8 or 10 when the Bears... Uh, he, like, shot up the board. Yeah, I think he was 4. Yeah, he, he had, like, a big rise late in the draft mm-hmm. process. Like, the day before the draft, I remember, like, there were a lot of people speculating that the Cardinals could take him at three when we had all been thinking, yeah, he was going to fall, like, kind of high teens. Yeah. But, you know, good for him. I mean, the Cardinals, they have the mo- one of the most anonymous rosters you'll ever see. Like, I've, I'd heard of one player on their defense, I think. So, <laughs> it's not, not very good there. They, they've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. yeah, sounds like Johnson's a bright spot, so good pick by them. Yeah, but um, you know the uh, the the biggest thing to me um, is we've we've had a lot of talk um, recently about Marvin Harrison Jr. and uh, one of the things that I've been focusing on is I, I don't feel like. The Bears need to use a super high pick on him, even though he is ultra talented, uh, simply because I think that it, it's better served for them to look at other positions uh, at that high, at, if it's that high up. And you know, I I'm of the opinion, even though I like Fields a lot, I I think that they probably need to draft one of these new signal callers. Uh, but um, it's really cool to see Puka Nakua. Uh, I, I love to see guys like that who, uh, you know, 
come in unheralded and just really uh, make a, a, a big splash. And that guy's playing opposite um, Cooper Cup, and he's still shot to the top. And you got to give it up for a guy like that. Yeah, and I think that just reinforces your point that you can find fifth rounder. Yeah, you can find hits at wide receiver later in the draft. You know, so um, it, anyway, kudos to him. But it'd, it'd be uh, nice if the Bears could find one of those guys because the last couple wide receivers they've picked haven't really turned out that well yeah um tyler scott uh really has a lot to work on which i mean all the buzz about him was like this is a guy that's ready to go yeah and he has not been ready to go no uh he's really struggled um the bears have to find a compliment to dj Moore because uh darnell mooney and uh, well, so Darnell Mooney, Equinemia St. Brown, and whatever the other guy, Taylor. Oh, yeah, Trenton Taylor. Yeah. Those guys are free agents. Yeah. Um, so the only people that are under contract is Bayless Jones and Tyler Scott. So, yeah, I mean, Scott will for sure be back. Jones, we'll see. He seems to find his way onto the roster still. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I'd be pretty surprised if Mooney's back. I'd be, I, I don't know about Equinemia St. Brown, but that's going to be like your fifth wide receiver regardless. They definitely need to add a couple more pass yeah. catchers. Yeah. Well, in Equinemia St. Brown, you know, he, the only reason he was brought back this year is you know, because he's good on special teams. It's but, fine. I mean, you need a fifth receiver that's good on special teams. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it it's it has to be a, a priority. There, there's no doubt about that. Um, we'll uh, on a future show, not too distant future show, uh, we're gonna look at some of the free agents. There is a pretty large crop of guys that are gonna be in free agency, and the draft is very deep. Um, uh, Matt Miller's uh, draft analyst for ESPN, his most recent. Um, uh, a post was on uh, first guys he views as first round picks, and I think there's five receivers on there. Not surprised. So, uh, every year there's just a lot of first round talent at that position. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, so uh, looks like Saturday Detroit at Dallas. I I can't believe they had Detroit as the fourth best team in the NFL. Yeah, I don't agree with that. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas smokes them. Detroit's good. They've had a nice year, but I mean, they... They've also struggled. Yeah, they're, I think, pretty average. And like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if they're out in the first round if they get the wrong wildcard team coming up to Detroit. So, I mean, I think Dallas wins this one pretty easily, and I I think Dallas is clearly better. Yeah, I was just looking to see. They have Dallas as six. That's just wrong. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't look at it that way either. I I, I think that um, I think that when you look at the the roster as a whole, um, I I would take Dallas. Uh, but um, let's see uh, the matchup predictor has uh, Dallas seventy uh, percent and um, uh, Lions at thirty. So we see what the you know what the uh, bookmakers are saying is Dallas by five and a half, so they're not buying. 
Yeah, I, <laughs> I think Dallas wins that one easily. Yeah, I, I would. Um, I would be. Dallas surprised. lost a couple games in a row too. They're going to be looking to get off the snide a little bit, and I, yeah. I think they could win this game by a couple touchdowns. Yeah. Um. So okay, the next one we got is. Packers Vikings, right? Yeah, Packers Vikings. Here which is a uh, is that is that a Monday night game? I think it's Sunday night. It's football. Sunday night football. Sunday night on New Year's Eve. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, just two teams that kind of stink, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> the Vikings just haven't been able to overcome the quarterback loss. Mullins is terrible. I, I think O'Connell said that. All three quarterbacks on the roster are in contention to start that game, which is never a good sign. Yeah. And the Packers almost lost to Carolina. Yeah. They've they I mean they had a, a really nice stretch there, but they've really come back down to earth. I mean Um the matchup predictor has uh Green Bay fifty two point seven, Minnesota forty six point nine. Yeah, I mean it feels like kind of a coin flip game, yeah. honestly. I mean, Mullins has just been throwing some of the most mind-numbing turnovers you'll ever see he, you know he's a he's a backup quarterback yeah. and i mean i guess i'd probably give the edge to jordan love just because he's so much better than right. any of the vikings options but packers defense has also not played very well the last couple weeks again boy uh, that's the one thing minnesota's defense made a huge jump this year uh all from flores who won the first game between these two i don't remember i, I think it was minnesota yeah, actually because it was wasn't it really early on yeah that sounds right so it probably was minnesota with cousins um yeah it, no actually it was well it was week eight but cousins was still playing cousin that was the game he got hurt that was the game that he got hurt they uh, won 24 to 10 yeah i mean i i mean th- these are just two very mediocre teams so let me ask you um, at this point, if you could swap with Minnesota and give them Eberflus and take Kevin O'Connell, would you do that? <laughs> of course. I absolutely would too. Yeah, absolutely. So what does that say? To me, if you lined up a hundred Bears fans, I'll bet you at least 65% of them would say I would swap. Well, what would be the argument? Probably even be higher. Yeah, it'd be way higher. I mean, I think everyone would make that trade. Yeah, and and but that to me that is indicative of what you know what is going on with the with the Bears organization as a whole and where Eberflus is, right? I think so. I like I said earlier, I think Eberflus's approval rating is pretty close to zero. Like he, I just don't think he's I don't think he's that good. And I think that you've seen some progress this year, but I think they very clearly have the fourth best coach in the division, and that's never a good spot to be. <laughs> is is Eber uh is Eberflus's approval rating better than Joe Biden's? No. <laughs> and Biden's is bad. <laughs> Biden's is bad. Okay, no, we're not getting political. Uh but uh Anyway, um, you, can, you can look up what Joe Biden's approval rating is. I think it's higher than Eberflus's. <laughs> um, I, I would say uh, this is probably a Packer win simply because I would give uh, Jordan Love uh, the edge over whoever they decide. Yeah, I mean, to put the, be- the Vikings quarterback's just been so bad. Yeah, it's it, and you know it's really too bad too because Kirk Cousins was 
absolutely lighten it up. Well, Jefferson said it after this last game. Jefferson said, I hope that this makes people appreciate how important Kirk Cousins is. So. I, I've always thought Kirk Cousins is a good is a good quarterback. I just don't think he can win the big game. Yeah. And I that's because most of the time he hasn't won the big game. Yeah. I think he's so, I think he's yeah, very good. Yeah. Um but uh oh and they yeah I felt sorry for um TJ Hawkinson. Yeah. Wow, that's rough. Uh but uh yeah and then uh so comes down to us and <sighs> Uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Um, yeah, another just kind of who we uninteresting game. Who, who Jim and I happened to we spit on you. Yeah, we fought in your general direction. Yeah, I mean, so can't really go wrong on this one for me because I kind of you know if the, if the Bears lose, then they get better draft position, and if they win, then it's just another nail in Arthur Smith's coffin. Yeah, who I hate. Yeah, so, I hate too. So um, I mean. These are. I actually. I hope we lose. Um, I. I don't want to drop another draft pick just. Uh, just to beat some super crappy team. Uh, but. Um, yeah, I think the Falcons are obviously better than the Cardinals, but still not. Yeah. Not very good. Wouldn't be surprised if the Bears win, just because Taylor Heineke stinks and the Falcons are kind of just a bad team that doesn't really rise to the occasion. But it says Tyler Heineke is questionable. Oh, well, then, if it's Ritter, then I think the Bears win. <laughs> it, 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 Man, is he bad. Yeah, if it's Ritter, I think the Bears win. If it's Heineke, I think it's more of a coin flip. And I don't think the Falcons are particularly well coached, but they do have a lot of talent. But I don't really even have a strong feeling on it one way or another. I think it's just kind of an end-of-the-year game with two teams that are out of it that's not really all that interesting, to be honest. 51% to 49%. Yeah, there you go. And and it's in favor of Atlanta, uh, but it's uh, Chicago by three. Yeah, that's kind of a weird line, but I guess that's just home field advantage. Um, I don't know. It's a game at noon on New Year's Eve, so it's be a good game to kind of have one eye on as you get ready to do whatever you're going to do on New Year's Eve. And I don't know. I just like I said, I, I don't really find that one, this one very interesting at all. It's just another game to get through before we figure out what direction this team's going to head in the off season. Well, uh, Atlanta's doing a good job of making Ryan Pace uh, look like an ass, which always makes me a happy guy. Yeah, and, like, look, if the Bears want to embarrass Arthur Smith, by all means. Yeah, please do that. That guy sucks. Yeah. So So that's it for this week, guys. Uh, Thanks once again for listening to the show and give them the stuff. Yeah, follow us on Twitter at Bears underscore scat. Uh, I guess this will be our last episode of 2023. So thanks to everyone. Or second to last. No, like calendar year 2023. Oh, yes. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be back with you breaking down this Falcons game um, in the new year. So have a happy New Year's Eve. Uh, don't get too drunk. Don't do anything too stupid. <laughs> and, yeah, enjoy the holiday. Uh, hopefully you got better things to do than worry about Bears-Falcons. So. <laughs> Bear down. Bear down.